Hello and welcome to the Building Sustainability Podcast with me, Jeffrey Hart. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers. Together, we can explore the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and a warm welcome to episode 104. This episode's guest is Dave Cockcroft, who is returning to the podcast to chat about rebellious acts. Dave was actually the very first episode I recorded for the podcast way back in 2019. So it was about time we had a bit of a catch up. I'll pop a link to episode number four with Dave Cockcroft in the show notes. Before the episode, I want to just tell you about a few things that are going on. Uh, There is the Retrofit Reimagined. This year, there are five dates for the festival. Um, We've already missed the one in Bath, but September 28th in London, October 6th in Bristol, October 21st and 22nd at the Centre for Alternative Technology in McCuntleth, and November 11th in Glasgow. Uh, if you are interested in retrofit and generally just good building things, um, then make sure you get along to one of those. Also want to say a massive thank you to George, who has supported the podcast over at patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Also, a huge thanks to Lloyd Rushton-Jones, George Harris and Matthew Colburn, who have all supported the podcast at the higher level and we'll each be getting a hand-carved wooden spoon carved by my own two hands. Uh, I've got some lovely beech at the moment uh, from a 400-year-old tree that came down in the storms a few years ago. I'm just working my way through that, and it is perfect. So uh, look out for those in the post soon. And if you would like to support this podcast, uh, it is independently produced by me. It takes quite a long time and uh, it's quite a lot of hard work so um yeah it would be really gratefully received if you can support then please do at patreon.com forward slash building sustainability but equally if you can't afford it then absolutely enjoy this for free uh we've had a lovely review this is short and to the point i love it uh from freya freeborg uh probably said that horribly wrong five stars natural building to the people great inspiration and nerdiness yeah (laughs) that's what we're going for um if you enjoy this podcast and you have a minute to spare maybe while i waffle on during this intro uh then a quick review over apple podcasts would go a long way to getting more ears hearing the podcast and it would make me very happy uh there's a link to that in the show notes uh other updates from me uh the netcom craft school is really starting to take shape. Uh, We are booking in courses now for spring of next year when we will open. And we would absolutely love for you to come and join us. Uh, So there are going to be courses in various green woodworking, spoon carving, bowl turning. Um, There's going to be some printmaking workshops, baskets made of chestnut bark. You can come and bind a book with a wooden cover. Uh, and a Coptic bind, which I'm reliably informed, is as old as the Egyptian era. And a whole load of other stuff that we haven't booked in yet. Uh, the best way to stay in touch with that is to follow Netcom Craft School uh, on Instagram. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, what else? Uh, earth floors. Um, I have finished some of my favourite floors. I think I've ever done. 
recently and you can have a look at my Instagram to see those. Uh, one of them has got this beautiful bathtub in it. Um, yeah, I would say sexy floors. Can floors be sexy? Yeah, of course they can. Uh, take a look and tell me what you think. Uh, link in the show notes as well. Right, so we should probably get on with the episode. Dave came to visit the uh, the new craft school uh, and we recorded the conversation there, sat just outside the um, the structure, the roundwood timber frame structure, uh, where the fire pit will be when we make it. As it's an outside recording, there are various bird noises and quite an intrusive plane at one point. Uh, and you'll also hear the gentle background noises of spoon carving while we chat. Dave has sent through loads of links to things that have inspired him to get to this point in his thinking. Um, So do check out the show notes and dig into them. Definitely listen right to the end uh, because I will be giving away uh, the very first spoon carved in the Nascombe Craft School uh, from a very special bit of wood that we talk about later. So don't miss your chance to win that. And the the final, final thing before I unleash Dave's um, wonderful thoughts on you is that I wanted to share something from last weekend, which is fitting to the episode. So last weekend I attended the bowl gathering, which was a hundred and something, maybe 140 people in a field nerding out thoroughly about turning bowls from wood on foot-powered lathes. This would have been the method that most wooden bowls were made up until the invention of the electric lathe, Um, And this craft was on the verge of extinction when all the bowl turners um, switched to electric. George Laley was, in fact, the last bowl turner, uh, single-handedly keeping the skills and traditions alive. So recently, Brian Moist, Laley's great-nephew, has been on a Laley quest uh, researching his mother's side of the family. Um, He's learning loads about George Laley as a result and went to turn a bowl with Sheriff Adams. Um... He also unearthed this gorgeous little newspaper article that Sheriff read at the bowl gathering, and I thought you might enjoy it. Mr. Laley is the last craftsman of his kind in the country. He makes wooden bowls and platters by hand using a method that goes back to the Middle Ages. And usually, I gather, he does not take particularly kindly to sightseers who go to watch him at work. When Miss Adkins visited him some time ago, however... He apparently decided that she was seriously interested in his craft. He let her choose a piece of elm and then he worked it into a bowl for her. She now possesses two Laley bowls of which she is very proud. Mr Laley, described as the happiest man alive, is sad about one thing. There is no one to succeed him in the business his family has carried on for three centuries. And as Sheriff Adams said as he read that out, just imagine how pleased... Laley would be to know that there was now hundreds of people enjoying this craft geeking out um, and really it is a a thing that is booming in popularity right that's it I'm back at the end enjoy Dave Cockroft many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, do you know what I realised, though? You were episode number four of the yeah. podcast, and you're going to be episode 104 Hooray! of the podcast. So, I wondered if that was going to work out. I just listened <laughs> to 103. I thought, I wonder if I'll be 104. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've, you're back for your, your century. Century. And I'll hold my bat up on my spoon yeah. in the air. <laughs> wave, to the, <coughs> wave to the crowds. Um, yeah, but this is a slightly um, uh, slight anomaly in terms of podcasting for me. Normally, I've got a whole load of questions, and I've done lots of prep. Uh, and this time, you've it's sort of reversed. A little bit. I might ask you some questions. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> oh, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, well, you posited the idea that... Um, we were going to talk about why I carve spoons while the world burns. And I like that a lot. It <laughs> feels like a thought I've had quite a lot. Um, so, yes, I was very interested in, uh, in the topic. Right. Well, I've done a bit of thinking. Um, and uh, I have to say this is sort of ideas I'm developing in dialogue with other people yep and i have a kind of framework and i've thought a lot about the i in in a way i want to kind of radicalize spoon carving mm. and say this isn't just some silly hobby we do in our spare time but it's yeah. actually quite a profound practice that helps us as individuals and as a community, um, that, we are, that we are each reshaped mm-hmm. by this practice. And I'm not claiming, um, I might claim a few special things to spoon carving, but I'm not claiming it's the only practice that does this. Yeah. But it is a practice. I think it has some significant elements to it, um, <clears throat> such as working with natural materials, working with very sharp things that mm-hmm. help. So I want to talk about three R's, I've decided. It is, I'll talk about restory, mm-hmm. reconnect, and relate, or relating. Um, and then the fourth R is radical. 
but you'll see the other three lead to it being a radical act, in my opinion. Okay, excellent. So, um, why I carve spoons while the world burns? I mean, I think, you know, it is increasingly in the news. I think it would be hard pushed these days not to uh, have a degree of awareness that there are multiple converging crises, mm. including the climate crisis and the freshwater crisis and the toxic pollutants crisis and the rising acidification of the oceans crisis and the loss of soil crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, many things. We've got river toxicity in this country now, haven't we? Yep. From all the, the overflow sewagey things in the water. Many crises. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm quite old now, but I feel like I've been struggling working on all these issues as an activist mm-hmm. since the 1980s. I first became aware of the climate issue back then. Um, and I've always been in the Green Party and I've stood in elections and I've held office in local authorities and I've done lots of peace campaigning and I've been involved in transition towns and I've been involved in all sorts of things in my local community uh, like local agricultural, uh, what do you call community-supported agriculture. Yep. So many, many, and I've studied permaculture, and I gave up flying, and I try and minimise my plastics and my impacts and eat vegetarian and vegan as much as possible. Yep. And all those things you're supposed to do, including I've tried to do the political things and the activism things for half my lifetime now, for 30-plus years, and it feels like it's all made, you know, bog all difference, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Yep. Um, and I think uh, through lots of things I've read recently, and I'm going to have to acknowledge that my son, who's now very involved again in activism but coming from a slightly different angle has been very influential in some of the things he pointed me at and some of the contacts he had with um uh, people from different cultures mm-hmm. he has a lot of contacts with people in the globe with with youth groups in the global south um who are coming from very different perspectives um so the reason i think all my efforts have come to nothing is because they were seated within the dominant stories we live by. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the primary ways it's being proposed, we escape from the carbon dioxide pollution problem, the atmospheric carbon dioxide and the global heating and everything. It's kind of saying we do more of the same, Mm. except slightly different. We're still going to have capitalism. We're still going to have growth. We're still going to have um, exploitative practices, except this time we're going to exploit lithium for batteries yep. instead, of, instead of hydrocarbons for oil. It's kind of saying somehow we're going to wriggle out of it by doing the same thing, only slightly different. And it's not 
changing. They're still trying to live within this growth paradigm, for yeah. example, which doesn't make any sense. And I think that any efforts made within that dominant modernity Western culture are doomed to fail because that fundamental premise, that story that we live by mm-hmm. of capitalism, commodification, exploitation, wage slavery, etc., is a broken model. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, you can see how, how everything's breaking down a little bit at the moment. <clears throat> you know, how tough it is for Gen X. They're never going to be able to afford their own houses in the UK. Sure, yeah. Um, you can see how terrible it is all around the world, how, how there's increases in in people trying to escape terrible situations, um, whether that's um, famines and droughts or wars or whatever. You know, the numbers of people trying to get to other countries is only going to increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think... Uh, I'm going to suggest, anyway, that the fundamental underlying issue for us is that part of the stories we live by are that we have um, disconnected ourselves from nature. Mm -hmm. We have even the notion that we are separate from nature is a disconnection. Yeah. We have disconnections, we have our mind body separation is a disconnection where mm-hmm. we don't even regard ourselves as as a as a whole. Yeah. Um and there's all sorts of new you know, in recent times and more generally known stuff now where we know even what va- we vaguely regard as ourself uh, as an individual isn't really an individual but we are, each of us, an ecosystem consisting of millions of bugs mm-hmm. that live in and on us, without which we can't function. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you can't, you're not separate. You're not um, other than nature. Yeah. Uh, and yet... The, the way we're brought up and educated and the way we, you know, the films we watch, the stories we read, all lead us to think of this separateness. Mm-hmm. So I think within what we're going to call... So, so to make profound real change we have to seat ourselves as characters within a new story. Okay. We have to restory the world. And what I'm going to suggest is that the practice of a craft like spoon carving is part of a process of embedding yourself within a new story, a different story. Okay. A story that is much more about being connected. Um, so... Um, that was where I kind of want to move, I suppose, on to things about reconnection. But I think maybe one, one, two more bits I want to say about restory first. Yep. 
Do you want to mention that we're carving spoons while we do this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we're carving spoons <laughs> while the world burns, while we're talking about carving spoons. Spoons while, while the world burns. <laughs> yes. We have a spoon each and, and our knives and... Um, yeah. So, so you're bit. sort of saying um, with the, you know, the work that you've done, um, either sort of politically or activism-y or... That it hasn't made the effort because you're you're within the system that you actually want. You're playing by the rules of the system that actually causes the harm in the first place. Yeah. And Pretty you can't. Much. So it needs a complete shake-up of the entire... Yes. I mean, I, I think... You know, obviously, some of the efforts that are being made within the system, mm-hmm. so switching to renewable energy from fossil fuels, is going to be helpful to a degree. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's also you know, really, really clear we're going to have to live with less yeah, and use less resources. Yeah. And um, one of the phrases I like is, is less is a four-letter word. <laughs> because no one ever dares talk about less we still talk about growth yeah and more and more stuff and throw away you know it's hard to get away from living in in i mean your your last episode you were talking to with helen with helen yeah about some of those changes within uh that was interior design and things wasn't mm-hmm. it about thinking about being less wasteful and more so those changes will all help yeah but i don't think they can go anywhere near far enough um because they're still embedded within you're still going to be even if you're a b corp you're still going to be a business that's trying to make profit and grow yeah they're not taking that out of the equation um and that almost certainly means even in your best efforts uh, you're still going to consume more resources, quite mm-hmm. likely. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we need to think about different ways. So one of the things, let's talk about what's different about taking up a craft like spoon carving. And so I think one of the very profound differences is being able to make something yourself. That you'd normally buy. That you'd normally buy. Yeah. So that shift, whatever it is that you're making that you'd normally buy, you're shifting out of um, a consumerist, commodified approach yep. into a craft thing where you have an individual, you as an individual, you have agency, you have the ability to make from a piece of wood a utensil that you'll use every day to eat your food or mm-hmm. cook your food or hold your food yeah. for making a bowl. Um, and whilst that sounds on one level quite trivial, it is actually... Um, so so I've, 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 I've done a few interviews with people talking about stuff and what has come up quite a lot is this idea that they find it quite empowering to do that. Mm that you gain a sense of um, that you're not a passive consumer. You're not just looking at a screen and clicking buttons, clicking the buy now button. Yeah. You're actually having to engage with the real world 
with a sharp tool and a piece of wood mm -hmm. and your hands and your brain and be focused and be present um, and, and gradually skill yourself in being able to create an artifact. Um, so I'm going to talk about that as being, or refer to that as being reconnecting, because I think that reconnects us with being more ourselves, more human, because that is what humans have done mm -hmm. through many, many millennia. Through all through human evolution, we've been makers. Yeah. Yeah, certainly the, the period of time that we haven't been makers is sort of a blip on, on a human scale or sort of humanity scale. Uh, how do you mean? As in, if you think about all the time we were makers and all the time we weren't. Yeah. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah obviously, I mean, if we go back far enough, it's hard to say exactly when. Are you, are you not thinking, you know, far enough back? Or well, I am, but even or... then, I think we used sticks <clears throat> and quite quickly have worked out some sticks were better than other sticks and how to shape sticks. Hmm. And which sticks through through the air better. I mean, I know, you know, long ago it was referred to as the Stone Age. Yeah. I think it was probably the Stick Age. And just the sticks have rotted. <laughs> and they ought to recall it the Stick Age. The Stick Age. Because um, I bet we use sticks for all kinds of stuff. And only bothered with stones later on. Yeah. That's, that's my hypothesis. So, <laughs> I like so it. So I think, but makers, and, and whether that was involved in, in making... Uh, you know, spears and things, things that might help hunt or defend, or whether it was involved in making utensils. I think there was an awful lot of making of uh, baskets, um, you know, in the age before carrier bags. You had to have mm. something to carry your gear around in, even if it was just a load of nuts you'd found. Yeah. You know, so... There was always working with... So working with your hands, that's why we have this amazing dexterity in our hands and um, the remarkable level of, of um, nerve connections between hands and brain. Yep. You've seen that thing that's called the humungulus or something, isn't it? That model of, of, a, of a human where all the parts are scaled by the amount of nerve connections to the brain Ooh, i've not seen that no yeah it's very cool it's got really giant hands right and and uh really big fat lips and quite big genitals <laughs> yeah it's right so i wouldn't so have different parts but particularly your hands yeah. are i think his lips and things are quite sensitive areas <laughs> areas where you have a lot of um connectivity with your brain but a large areas of your brain are all about about um, working your hands, yeah, uh, in order to be able to manipulate objects and and change objects. So, obviously, when you're spoon carving or basket making or doing another handcraft, you're re-engaging those parts of your brain, yeah, um, that are neglected in much of our modern life, which is a bit button pushy and screen pokey these days, yeah. Um, so when I talk to other folks, well, I'm going to ask you the question actually, then I, then I'll maybe say what some of the people said. So okay. my question is kind of is what does spoon carving do for you? 
Hmm. Just fire away. First thoughts. Uh, well, first get into it. thoughts were, I mean, it teaches kind of, uh, what's the thought? Humility, I guess. Mm-hmm. In that it's, it's not simple and it's, you know, everyone's first yeah. spoon looks mm-hmm. a bit like a dog chewed old stick. Uh, and then those that do decide to, to keep on practicing, you know, it's refinement and refinement and failures and. Yeah, it's so sort of humility. That that that's interesting, and it's and and it's quite difficult spoon carving. Yes, so you have to I stick think at it. the humility comes yeah. from the the difficulty. Mm. Um, yeah, and especially I think because yeah, we are so distanced from using our hands to create things, and you know the use of a knife. I think probably in days gone by, everyone would have carried a knife and. You know, used it for all all number of things, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's you know quite terrifying to a lot of people. So uh, that's slightly tangential, though. Uh, what do I get from it? Um, I get a reason to sit still. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe I wouldn't think to sit still, but I'd think to sit and carve a spoon. And uh, at the end, I think, oh, I'm you know. <laughs> I'm very relaxed and have have sort of my mind's gone to a, a quite a calm place. Unless it's all gone terribly wrong. But you know. Happens now and again. <laughs> Happens now and again. Um I get community. That's a really big one for me. Uh, yeah. That's probably what's kept me spoon carving mm-hmm. in a large sense. Mm-hmm. You know, gathering with other weird and wonderful cool. woody folk. Yeah, yeah. I might come back to that a little bit more when we talk about relating. Because mm. that's, that's uh, yeah, a very important part of community and relating. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with all those things. Humility is interesting. I think you're the first person who said humility. But although I think when I was talking to other folks, they... They were sort of like, well, I said that too, but they said it in different words. Yes, so of course. Probably yeah, people yeah. did say humility, but in slightly different words. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting one because I'm not sure um, how, you know, as a lesson, it sounds like it's a different lesson than we're getting from most other things we indulge in. Yeah. Because much of life these days is about convenience and making things easier. Yeah. And, and instant find, gratification. And instant gratification, yeah. So it's not instant, is it? No. Oh, well, there I mean, is something instant, because your first spoon, even though you look back on it... Yeah, it's only a few hours. It's not it's... like trying to build a building or a chair or, mm. or a bicycle. <laughs> All of which take quite a lot longer. Yes. And you really don't want them to go wrong. <laughs> you can afford uh, something fairly small like a spoon to go yeah. a little bit not quite right um, and, then, and then slowly improve. I guess. So some of the things other folks said, well, you said about, it might be the same thing. Some uh, people saying it's an escape. Yeah. By which I think they mean an escape from their everyday life um, and a meditation. Yes. Escape from a calm place, a flow state. It gives you rapid. I think, I think 
it, because of having to concentrate around sharp tools, and I think some stuff I talked about back way back in episode four mm. was that it gives you quite fast access into a flow state. Yeah. Um, uh, folks said things like, in terms of connecting, reconnecting, it helps them connect with their body, get out of their head. Yep. And be more embodied. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to be very aware of the feel of the wood and sense uh, the, the knife engaging in the wood. Yes. Um, and, you know, and you're fo- having to focus your gaze on what you're doing and coordinate with your hands. So it's very embodied activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's helping uh, reconnect mind and body. Yeah. My, I guess my instant thought of that is a lot of sort of therapy things are about, you know, if you're having a feeling like where is it in the body mm. and you know, there's, and I used to teach snowboarding and it's like people, some people would have absolutely no idea of sort of where their body is in space. And it's, you know, you say, you push your, your hips up or, you know, something yeah. and, and they got, wouldn't, know. they wouldn't know how to do it. Mm. Um, so yes, definitely anything that brings you to, to know how you are physically yeah i think that and the the mental connection with that Mm. um yeah the escape thing people throw into escape from overthinking Mm -hmm. escape from life's frustrations so you know you could you could hold it up as a mindful practice yep um so these are mental health benefits, but they're also about um, connecting. And some of the women I talked to particularly were saying that as a woman, it feels empowering um, to work with tools mm-hmm. like this, particularly perhaps using an axe yep. is something, um, you know, generally... There's not a lot of models of women using axes <laughs> out there. We'll be back after a quick break. If you're looking for all things BMX racing, you found the right podcast. Here at Lane 8 BMX Podcast, I'll speak to the local racer, the national racer, and even the Olympic level racer. I'm talking kids to the weekend warriors and much more. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, and remember to snap on green. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Of, yeah, the idea but, of the the lumberjack is sort mm. of the the axe wielding, you know, big hairy man. Yeah. Uh, probably. But someone I know, one of the the, the, the spoon carvers I talked to, who teaches a lot of women mm-hmm. carving, say they that, that that they find that process, that initial breaking down, the starting with a log, and splitting it and work it with an axe is the part that people seem to get the most out of on a first experience. Other yeah. women. Um, that was just a reflection from a, as a, and that it's quite hard work. It's physically quite hard. Mm. Um, you know, particularly if you're carving harder pieces of wood, um, the stuff about, um, being able to, to well, once you've practiced and got competency yeah. and developed your skills, then it's about being able to, to envisage what you want to make and then being able to do it. Mm-hmm. 
that is quite empowering. And, and you know with spoons that there's an infinite variety of form and an infinite variety of wood to carve. Yeah. So there's no end to, the, to, to your ability to, um, having, having you know, got a piece of wood, to find the best thing or the thing you want to do mm-hmm. in, in that. Um, let's see if there's one or two other bits. Have you just have you yeah. been researching this specifically for our conversation, or is this a? I've been thinking about it quite a lot, and I kind of have the conversations casually. Yeah, but I don't normally write notes about what people say. Fair enough. So specifically ahead of this conversation, I talked to a few folks and made an attempt to write down what they're saying, but mm-hmm. I can't write as fast as people talk, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very much paraphrased or yeah. or I getting it wrong um, in some ways. So I hope those people who I spoke to who might think, oh, Dave's misrepresenting what I said now. <laughs> I never said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> or I said the same as that one. I said that thing. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm sure they won't be like that. No. I'm just They're imagining. a nice bunch, the spoon carvers. They are on the whole. <laughs> I can't think of any really nasty ones. <laughs> um, so those were some of the main things. Oh, then the other bit, all right, connection. The other big connection bit is about connection to uh nature yes and how people talked about how they had prior to getting into spoon carving they just thought wood was wood yep and that you learn so much about how different different woods are by trying to carve them mm-hmm. and you're carving green wood so it comes fresh off the tree so then you have to know and recognize different trees so you develop this this uh or you reconnect with that diversity of properties of the timber mm-hmm. um and you develop a deeper appreciation of nature um and uh, the different materials that are available to you to use yeah um, i think interact with it sort of encourages you to look a bit harder you know a walk in the woods is suddenly a sort of like a walk through a a material store or something you know oh i want to know what that is those are leaves i haven't seen before Uh, and i think anything that encourages or yeah yeah encourages you to to look deeper is yeah so I think uh, those, I, th- I suppose, in, in summary, I'm sure there's others uh, that are not, not getting right now. So it, it's relating or reconnecting, because I'm talking about relating separately in a minute, reconnecting, mm-hmm. reconnecting to some extent with your own body. Yep. Reconnecting with, with you know, taking your time to create something that isn't, completely instant Mm -hmm. you're reconnecting i mean you know you were saying with uh having to take quite a humble approach to it um uh reconnecting with your humility that's quite an interesting thing i think as well and other people talked about you know feeling empowered reconnecting with their power to make yeah um and i think there's something about reconnecting with our ancestors, mm. which is 
that these are things that earlier generations would have done routinely. Yeah. Um, they would have made all sorts of stuff. Um, not just suggesting everyone sat around making their spoons. They would have made many, many different things. Mm. Uh, but it gives you some sense, perhaps, of... Um, And maybe it gives you a sense of how precious stuff is, that you've spent a good deal of time, you know, developing your ability to do this thing and your ability to make beautiful objects. Um, and then you will regard them uh, as, as more meaningful and more important and treasure them more and look after them. And they won't have that same disposable kind of quality. Mm. Oh, I can just go and buy another one of them. An appreciation of value. Yeah. The value in the object created, mm. I'm suggesting. Something to do like that anyway. Any, any thoughts or more questions you want to ask at that point? Or I'll... Um, move on to other things i feel i got a little bit incoherent somewhere but hopefully it's um making some sense no i think you are am i making some <clears> sense <throat> you're making oh, absolute sense yeah that's, that's the encouragement i needed <laughs> well yeah don't don't stop don't stop don't stop now well let's talk about relating then yeah relating because it's something uh or if i reflect back to this notion of restoring i think part of a different story is this reconnecting um, and re-embedding ourselves back into nature and dissolving that boundary between ourselves and nature that we are part of nature. We are mm -hmm. not separate and we're somehow not above. We are embedded. And that the way we conceptualise ourselves as separate beings... But we're not. We're breathing that air that we've polluted. Mm -hmm. We're eating the food from the ground. We're having to clean the water that we've poisoned. You know, that's all going into our bodies. That's all actually part of us. We're not separate. And there's other folks talk about, you know, energetically we're connected with stuff. You know, there's, there's all kinds of connection. So to think of, to, to, to live in a predominantly individualistic culture, um, is is um well le le it's part of what leads us to be able to exploit nature right it's like you wouldn't cut off your own arm just to make a few quid mm -hmm. but you will you know sometimes we do it inadvertently because nobody tells us it's happening but we will destroy yeah certain natural parts of the natural world mm -hmm. in order to have a more convenient life um, or a bit more pleasure in inverted commas because maybe it's pleasure or maybe it's not maybe it's just instant gratification that really doesn't do anything for us <laughs> so one of the other big bits about restoring is about relating and I think most indigenous cultures talk a lot about being in relation mm -hmm. and having respect I suppose but once you're in relation um, and we've talked about community and being in relation with other uh, other people, but has also been in relation to the other than human world, having true empathy with other creatures mm -hmm. and 
um, you know, from that thing I was talking about, understanding the trees, the properties of the wood that they produce, that we can obtain and use to make things from, you develop a kind of different intimacy mm -hmm. with those trees. It sounds weird saying you're intimate with a tree, but I think by interacting, that interaction is a relation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an active relation and an appreciation of what the tree is giving or producing or, or can be quite profound. So I think the, the act of, of taking wood and carving a spoon and understanding the properties of that wood leads you to have a different appreciation of a woodland when you see it or an or a individual tree. And you won't necessarily be a precious one. It won't be like, oh, we couldn't possibly cut down any trees ever mm. or anything like that. But it's, an under, it's a kind of, if a tree got, had to come down or part, you know, it would be about honouring that tree and, um, you know, acknowledging it was part of the community of the woodland and... Some of these things can sound very, uh, you know, initially can sound kind of very kind of inverted commas. I'm doing inverted commas here, people, you can't see. Um, <laughs> like hippie or something. Yeah. Or new agey or something. You can be, get kind of dissed in that kind of way. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's not. It's quite a profound thing um, when you can kind of... Uh, kind of think of a tree as a relative. Mm. I tell you, a little story that came into mind there. All right, God, it's turned to a bit of a therapy session for me. <laughs> so that's fine. I had some mental health issues. I, I, I was getting very anxious for uh -huh. a period and I wasn't sleeping well at all. This was um, about 18 months ago, two years ago. And I was doing a lot of pressure with lots of stuff going on, all kinds of things going on family-wise and my mother was very ill and we we're trying to do repairs on the house and it was all going wrong and the builder had run away and <laughs> it was just like nightmare time and what i found super helpful uh i'd get up in the morning and go out as quick as i could and do my stretches and go for a little run not a massive long run mm -hmm. but i had about three trees big trees that i stopped at on that run and I'd stop at each tree and I'd do this little uh, stretching exercise I do where I crouch down and I slowly stretch back up. Mm -hmm. So I crouch down tiny like a little seed on the ground and I stretch up with my arms up like the branches of a tree. And I express gratitude to the tree. And... I found that enormously helpful and I found it really uh, well again I felt much more connected with myself and mm. with the earth it was kind of going little by the down in the earth and stretching up towards the sky and looking up at the tree um, so that's a little practice I do around trees that somehow also relates to um you know this respect i have for trees 
yep. now, which has grown through my woodworking mm-hmm. and my using the materials they produce. Um, and goes to, you know, and acknowledging, you know, it's like I'm very into mushrooms, um, uh, the edible kinds that you can collect around the place. Um, I'm very into all kinds of mushrooms, but I was going to talk about the edible ones and how how the trees have relation with the yes. mushrooms um, and acknowledging that kind of connectivity. So, relating to nature, relating to the other than human, do you want to say a bit more about community and the woodworking community? And you said it had kept you carving to some extent. Mm. Well, I mean, I realised um, probably last year that my dominant friend group is the green woodworking community now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and... Yeah, sort of as you're in my 20s, I was very into uh, going to clubs in London and, you know, I had a group of friends around that. And then sort of as that's not been a thing in my life anymore, that sort of fizzled out. Uh, But yeah, it was quite interesting to realise that the, the people that I would generally choose to spend time with were the green woodworking lot. Um and there's been events where i've gone to you know like a spoon fest or something and i haven't really done any spoons <laughs> i just yeah just sat around the fire and nattered with yeah. people and you know yeah. and um yeah and they and some of those people have gone on to be sort of my the people i go to when i need help or mm. Yeah, they are. I've very much found a group of people which are si- not always completely similar, but a lot of them are of the same mindset, of the same quite often brain brain type. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, as I say, yeah, it's sort of because I keep wanting to go to these events. It sort of keeps me thinking mm. about green woodworking and- sometimes. And do you so one thing I would say about that community is I think uh, that there's a great generosity. Yes. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. There you go. Sharing. Let's say let's say sharing and generosity together. And mm-hmm. sharing, yeah, sharing because there's a lot of skills sharing. And then maybe that leads to other kinds of sharing. Mm-hmm. So there's some honesty there. Yeah. Maybe there's more honesty than you would typically meet with people you bumped into down the pub. Yes. <laughs> Somehow. Depends on the pub. Depends on which pub. All right. Depends on which pub. We'll see. Yeah. I'll take you down the white horse later and we'll, we'll see. Okay. Um, so one of the things I wanted to mention around relating was one of the things that happens in the spoon carving community is people swap spoons mm. and even just give stuff. So there's a lot of gifting. Yeah. Um, and the act of gifting, because a, a lot of, you know, for a long time, um, 
the gift economy was the primary economy. Yep. That, I mean, gifts and debts kind of were interrelated in a lot of communities because you, you would give, but there would be um, some reciprocity expected from it. Yeah. Not enforced, but kind of because it creates relation. Um, um, and you know, and that's another thing with craft, that because a crafted item is not a commodity, so it's not, it's unique. Each yeah. piece is unique. And usually it comes with its own story mm-hmm. that you may actually know the maker particularly yep. if it's a result of something you've swapped with someone. Um, you know that person. And then you have the thing, the spoon or the bowl or the cup, whatever it was that they made yep. that you're using. And you see people, they post on their Instagram, don't they? saying, I'm having breakfast with, with Amy and Matt and yep. Fred or whatever. And that's the bowl and the cup and the spoon they use. And it does feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, very much so. So you have a big spoon rack on your wall, don't you? I do. Yeah. All of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so it does. It, 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 but it, it gives that... It keeps you in relation with that person mm. in a totally different way um, to if they'd given you a set of metal spoons that they bought at Argos yeah. as a present. It's completely different to that because it's unique and it's been crafted from their, by their hands and, and what have you. Yeah. Um, it's had their time and their attention. and Yeah. Yeah, it's embodied with a lot. So anyway, I, I've got a gift for you here. Not spoon. Right. Are you, are you getting any time to carve spoons at the moment? Uh, well, yeah, I'm about to come and live up here and oh, do yeah, nothing, you are, nothing you? but. So when, when, you're, when you're here carving spoons. What is this? We have a piece of this completely bonkers hawthorn. Wow. So it's been sealed, so it was not going to go off. But Oh, brilliant. It's got unbelievable colour through it. That is something So special. that half piece of log I've given you there, I've, the rotten side is gone. You've got the solid side, and it's got black bits in it, and it's got splashes. It's got crazy bits and all different colours. That is a beautiful So thing. somewhere in there you'll find a few outrageous pieces of wood to turn into spoons yeah cool and then people that become patrons and <laughs> yeah for the podcast it's tough to so, carve though you talk about it being hard and making you humble that's a bit of wood that might humble you yeah <laughs> brilliant well thank you there you are i've been sharing it with just a few folks yeah so you're you're one of the special ones I'm honoured. It was they were clearing i'll tell you where the wood came from in the woodland behind the woodyard over in Tetbury, where I know you've been. Oh, yes. Um, They've been clearing the ash. Um, A lot of it has died back. Yeah. Um, And to bring a big um, caterpillar tracked grabby thing into the woods, they had to make access and they they cut a limb off a big old hawthorn. And I went and looked and it had this amazing, it's monstrous, yeah. Yeah. For a hawthorn, it's really big. And that's just like one one arm of it (laughs) sticking out in the way of this giant digger. and uh, I saw it, and I had to go in with a chainsaw and chop it up, and I had to sneak back in the night time when the <laughs> met workmen weren't around and steal this <laughs> hawthorn out. And then, and then I was in bed 
in the night and I was really achy back and shoulders and I couldn't think what I'd done. And then I remembered, oh, I'd been carrying big lumps of hawthorn across the fields on my back. Under the cover of darkness. Under the cover of darkness. <laughs> so I could bring them out and give them to my friends. Aww. So I have a few more bits to give to people who've expressed interest. But, uh... Well, thank you. Um, it's, um, I don't know if you saw, I did a, uh, an Instagram post a little while back. Mm-hmm. Just I'd, some photos of some spoons that I'd carved. Yeah. And just, I was suddenly struck by just the level of beauty within them. And there's sort mm. of the subjective beauty of, of the actual, uh, you know, what form I'd managed to create. And then there's the wood and the patterns in the wood. But then there's also the, the community side, like uh, some bits came from Dan up in Ellicott's Wood. Yeah. And some bits came from Deborah mm-hmm. from London and, mm-hmm. you know, they were all, and they were carved, sat around with different people. Like I was carved one, sat next to Andrea yeah. and that's the first time I've met her. And it's mm. like, you know, there's all these beautiful connections that come from some chunks of wood that mm. have, you know, bothered with a knife and an axe. Mm. And yeah, so I think that's... Yeah, so that's... Right on with the story. Yeah, exactly. That is sort of exactly elements of that new story and all of this is i mean it's not completely free but it's certainly not expensive it's not like you have to pay a load of money to do spoon carving every time you want to do it you've had to make some you know investment in 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 your knives and axes mm-hmm. um but like a lot of things that can bring a lot of pleasure and gratification and bring relationship and reconnection because exactly what you were talking about there and that was about reconnecting with beauty and recognizing beauty and acknowledging you know this was beauty or some elements of the beauty there you had created Mm -hmm. through your carving and some elements were inherent in the wood but some of the beauty was also in the meaning that's carried from knowing the story of that piece of wood. Yep. So it's all this sort of deepening and connection that allows us to relate differently, I think, to everything we do and reflect differently. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that we're not just doing this in our heads, but it's a practice. Yeah. Because it's a physical practice. Um, so it isn't just heady. So that's important part of it. Um, and you're working with a sense of touch. It's very tactile. The objects you create are very tactile, mm-hmm. as well as visually beautiful. Um yeah it's a wonderful thing i think it's interesting that it is all it's all sort of wrapped up in and i hesitate to use this word a a product a thing Mm -hmm. you know like you can hold that spoon and or that basket or or whatever it is Mm. and all of that is contained within it while it's also just a functional thing you know and on one level it's a functional gets food in your face and then you can really delve into it. Mm-hmm. And that is contained in that, that physical thing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's a utilitarian object. Mm. 
Having said that, I mean, yes, it is. And all those things are contained. Have you, have you burned spoons? I, I'm with have you, you, yes. Have you practised the, the practice, <clears throat> I think? So I was going to mention, because that's very interesting, because there is also something quite profound in, in the letting go of that thing. Yeah. And, and people don't understand when they first see mm. people burning spoons. Okay. Um, but it's another practice um, that is, is like a ritual practice, particularly um, if you've thought about the spoon you want to burn and why you might want to burn it. And it doesn't have to be for horrible reasons. It can be for all kinds of different reasons. Mm. You can, and you can project meaning into that, that thing you're burning. Um, uh, and it's quite good to do, you know, in a group and to make some statement as to why you're burning here, why other people are burning spoons, you know, and, um, and then you've destroyed the object that you made or that you've been given mm. or ever, but it has still story attached to it and meaning attached to it. And sometimes it can feel like it changed some little thing in yourself when you've done it. And I, uh, you know, I'm struggling to remember specific examples. I'm like, oh, my one, one thing I'd say is I think if I ever carved a perfect spoon, I would have to burn it because if I carved a perfect spoon and kept it and I knew I could never make anything more perfect, I'd have to give up spoon carving. Mm. So my only real option would be to destroy it. Partly I say that because I know it'll annoy people. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I also know I'm never going to carve a perfect spoon, so it's not really a problem. Yeah, perfect. Not a, <laughs> not not a, a real thing. <laughs> I spent ages teasing Andrea all summer about trying to do perfect things. Right. <laughs> so, um, mind you, just recently she has done a few um, practically perfect spoons. I'm sure there's little faults in them if you're very critical. <laughs> wow. <coughs> um, I think she should burn them. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to basics. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was just a, a thing that's been running through my head. I kind of, unless you got questions that have popped up or other things you fancy saying. I, I suppose I do. My question is um, how, how could we make this a larger thing? No, And I'm not necessarily talking about spoon carving. I'm maybe talking about, you know, if if we're to save the world with this restoring, mm. uh, how, how could this sort of expand outwards to connect with other people in their, their lives? Well, there you are. I, I, I mean, I certainly, if, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm placing this as a thing I'm, I'm wanting to explore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I don't expect you to have a, so, a perfect. No, no. Answer. I wasn't saying it that way. So I was kind of saying to anyone who listens to this and finds uh, some of what we've talked about to hold meaning for them or have some congruence with things they're thinking. 
I'm very, very happy to hear from them. Oh, I see. And would yes. like to be in conversation with them. So we could think of this chat we're having now as a bit of a conversation starter mm-hmm. or a kind of a provocation, if you like. Um, and my challenge, yeah, that's what my provocation is. I think we should regard this practice as something much more important than a little hobby we do. Yeah. But actually, that acknowledge it that it is a radical act because it is anti capitalist and anti consumption and it's about uniqueness and it's about relating and it's about reconnecting and it's about being in community and it's about respecting nature. And that those are all part of the analogy I like about um, the story that uh, needs to emerge, the new stories that we will live by, is the analogy of weaving, Mm -hmm. weaving cloth. And that we are each a thread within that cloth but together we weave so um you know this is one one of the threads and what we like what i would quite like to find is other people who are you know weaving a similar pattern and want to come yeah Mm. and work together to weave a piece of this new narrative around craft practice and the way in which engaging in that practice transforms the practitioner. So I think I would postulate that carving spoons changes the carver and that that's quite a profound thing. So um, I feel changed by having carved spoons for a few years and by all the people I've met, yourself included. Um, and, uh, and I hope in, in positive ways that helps me, you know, reflect and relate and be more mindful in the ways I might try and bring about change in the world. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right. Thank you, Dave. Such a good episode. I'm so pleased that that really does, um, it wraps up kind of a lot of my thinking around craft and sustainability uh, and why I keep really putting these sorts of episodes in the podcast. Yeah, and, and you'll be pleased to know that uh, we did indeed go to the White Horse and sat drinking beer and rummaging through uh, a big box of spoons that Dave carries around with him, uh, admiring every curve and detail. Okay, so Dave's links. Dave has sent a load of links. I'm just going to run through them very quickly, um, what they are. So the RISE, R-Y-S-E, which is the Radical Youth Space for Educations. Check out the podcast, check out the blog. Good stuff going on there. Also, A School Called Home, which is Doug Aldhine and his recent book, At Work in the Ruins. Tyson Yunker Porter. Um, for his promotion of yarning as a method of cooperative exploration of ideas. Um, the book Sand Talk is in particular. So links to that. Gesturing towards decolonial futures. That is decolonialfutures.net. That's definitely worth a read. Uh, Martin Shaw and all of his books of wisdom. Uh, a good start is the podcast The Smokehole Sessions. And the book Courting the Wild Twin. I'll put links to those. Uh, he says there's many others, too many to mention. Um, but if any of this resonates with you, then please get in touch. And he is very happy to yarn with you to further explore and find new stories to live by. Yeah, really good. He, he signed off his message to me with uh, good luck with the school. Just think of it in terms of the list on Decolonial Futures homepage. Do that stuff and you're well on track. Uh, number three of the list is... It's all about composting our individual and collective shit and humility, joy, generosity and compassion, trying to dig deeper and relate wider. Nice. Thanks for those, Dave. Uh, I've also put a link to the cortical homunculus. I'm not sure if that's how you say that. Uh, the thing, it is, which is a distorted representation of the human body based on a neurological map of the areas and proportions of the human brain dedicated to processing motor functions or sensory functions for different parts of the body. Uh, I recommend you scroll down to the 3D models, uh, which are quite, quite a thing. Take a look at that. Also, Dave's Instagram, also Nettlecombe Craft School, my Instagram, all of that sort of stuff. Um, right, the spoon giveaway. So if you'd like to win the very first spoon carved at Nettlecombe Craft School, from the wood that Dave gifted me in this episode. All you have to do is comment on the Instagram post for this episode on the Building Sustainability Podcast Instagram account. Um, the post isn't going to mention a giveaway uh, because I just want people like you who have listened all the way to the end to enter. Uh, no one else gets the chance. Um, so if you just comment and say a reflection on what you're you've just heard or your favorite bit of the episode um, and i'll pick a winner in a month or so and yeah someone will be eating with a delicious hawthorn spoon the uh, the colors really are quite spectacular 
Um, yes. If this was your first episode, then definitely subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And you've got 103 other episodes and some little bite-sizey ones. Don't miss those. Yeah, go plow back through the um, the archives. But if this was your thing, then I'd recommend next one is uh, episode with Barn the Spoon. It is episode 22 and it is on new wood culture. Uh, there is a link to that in the show notes. If you have enjoyed this, then please do take two seconds to share the episode to your favourite social media or tell your family or friend or person on the bus. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, and finally, if you do find this podcast useful, then consider supporting via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. It helps me out so much and you get about 10 hours worth of bonus content to enjoy at your leisure. Uh, great. That is it for me. I hope that you are happy and well and warm and smiling. I'm also smiling. Until next time, bye-bye.